Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Pure Victory Podcasts, PVP. Hey, you like that, eh? I, PVP. <laughs> PVP. I don't want to say Pure Victory Podcast anymore. There's too many words, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Life's hard when you're 40. It is, I, man. It's just too tiring to say all that, but PVP, Pure Victory Podcast. Brad in here, Matt across from me. Thanks, everybody, for coming back and hanging out with us today. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about something we all kind of wrestle with and struggle with is our default responses to things. Um, the things that we kind of engage in that maybe you're running the background what I mean is something happens maybe something that makes us feel something and there's a response that has been mapped out for us over time as we've done the same thing over and over and over again to the point becomes default for us default behavior default response and we do it often without having any thought about it or what we're doing and the reason we bring this up is because when we're battling an addiction or other things in life um, that we're wanting to move away from these default responses can be part of the addictive lifestyle and pattern that we have surrounding our addiction and they keep us from really looking inward and looking to God and and really understanding or exploring why we feel what we feel why we do what we do it's just kind of a thing that we do that there's no thought given and we're bringing a spotlight to these default responses today because we think it's important to be aware of these areas that can kind of be a key and a link for us to understanding how to break free and have freedom in our lives as God works in us. That was really good. You said no thought given, and then we're bringing a spotlight to it. I was talking to a guy recently, and we were talking about some of these things, and he just said, I never have considered 
addressing any of these things. Like I just thought, this is the way that I think. This is the way that I am. This just this is me. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, no, if there's something negative or insecurity or shame, like you can deal with it. You just, yeah. just need to stick around. I remember I was young. It was my first car. My first car was a turquoise Pontiac Sunfire. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah. Turquoise. They don't even make those anymore, hey? Do they not? No. Oh, I'm I think Pontiac too. went under. Oh, <laughs> I'm not a car guy. There yeah, you, you know, go. Kristen, she owned a Pontiac Sunfire back in the day. Good little car. Not bad. It, it was, was black though, not turquoise. Yeah. <laughs> turquoise is much more manly than black, right? Sure. Yeah. It even <laughs> sounds more manly. Turquoise. <laughs> I'll tell myself that. <laughs> I loved it. It was sweet. It was standard. It's manual. Love standard. Oh, there you go. Racing car. Oh, yeah. And so I was, I, I didn't even understand the idea of a governor. And so I remember I was going a little bit, a little bit over the limit. I won't say how much, but a little bit over the limit. And I found out what a governor is because his car was set. It had a governor. And so once I hit this, the speed, the car just gave out. And I'm like, what, what's going on? I can't like, there's no gas. And eventually it'd kick in again. And so then I learned what a governor is. And so then I just thought it was fun. So then every once in a while I was a teenager, right? A crazy kid. Well, you maxed so it out. Hey, redlined it. Maxed it wow. out. It was fun. It was fun. Just by myself. <laughs> what well, no? was that on a Sunfire? Was that like 100 kilometers an hour? Or? I said I wasn't going to say, but it was 171 clicks okay. an hour. Okay. For those Americans out there, yeah, no, what is that in miles per hour? I don't even know. Anyways. Uh, yeah. long, it shouldn't be miles an hour. That'd be even worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I'm just thinking like when I hit that, the default setting was the car would give out. There was a default setting once a certain action took place. Mm-hmm. It was It was built into this system that this is what happened. When there's something that happens in our life, what's our default? What's built into us that just automatically comes out? I love this pastor. His name is Dan Moeller. And he just always talks about, if you squeeze an orange, what comes out of it? Orange juice. If you squeeze a Christian, does Christ come out? Mm. Or when a Christian is squeezed, does anger and fury and quietness and self-pity and victim thinking come out? When you squeeze a, a Christian, what what is there? What's inside? Mm. And that's what comes out. And so when with our default responses, I really think it's what you said, Brad, and it's so important is that you got to dress it. We got to shine a spotlight on these things. And if you're, if you're curious about like, okay, you guys talk about fixing heart issues and being healthy. How do I do this? This is how you do it. You look at your default responses and go, okay, what's the pattern here in my life? Why do I do this? What are the things that I tell myself? How can I address this and become a little bit more godly and he- and have him heal my heart, change the way that I think so that I can then be transformed. That's such a great parallel you made there. Is that the right word? Parallel? Yeah. yeah but anyway, <laughs> yeah. And that's so true. Hey, like even uh, the whole idea of when we're squeezed, what comes out of us and you know, I think often, you know, when we're faced with a little bit of heats, we're put under the, the fire of life, so to speak, our feet's held over the fire. Certain responses are pretty easy to, to fall into a, as far as a pattern goes. And then it just becomes kind of this rationalization thing, right? Like, well, that's just the way I respond. That's just who that's I right. am. I'm just that way. I've seen that used to justify a lot of different behavior. And sometimes there's not even the awareness to understand that you are justifying your behavior. You just just do it, and you don't even res- think about it. You just respond, or I guess react would be the right or wor- better, better word. You react to life, and you don't really have any control. Like you've out, you're out of control because yeah. you're kind of a slave to your impulses, right? So you feel sad. Well, uh, then you play the victim. 
you go to the victimhood right away. Like it's someone else's fault. Something is else's fault. You have a pity party. You go there so fast, so quick, and you just spiral down and down and down. And eventually that leads you back to behavior that makes you feel better, or at least you think makes you feel better, like porn. Yeah. masturbation um, it could be someone says something to you that just sets you off like like anger so you jump on anger like you just snap I've seen that before where it's just the response is so fast so sudden it's like a default response it's like it's built in and we just respond in anger and it can be one of these things that it, these these kind of default responses can be very destructive and in some ways they're subtly destructive because we don't know how it's slowly over time eroding us but then there's these real big bursts, outbursts that are destructive to those around us. And there's wreckage after our response. But, you know, what is it for you? What may, what are some responses that maybe you have? I know, like for me, I remember, you know, when I was really battling porn, if I felt any form of rejection from anybody, maybe I didn't get recognition for something I did. Uh, maybe someone said something unkind to me. I would spiral down into a pity party. Um, I'd feel really bad about myself. I'd feel down on myself. And I would stay there for a while, camp out there. And eventually I'm like, I don't like this, so I'm going to go to porn. And then I would go to porn. And then I would begin this kind of nasty cycle of looking at porn, even feeling worse, and then doing good for a while. And then someone says something, or I go through something that makes me feel kind of rejected. And here I am again, feeling bad because I looked at porn and masturbated. And this nasty cycle. So what is it for you? What are some things maybe that you have as a default response in your life yeah like do you live in regret Mm -hmm. do you blame yourself for things that you've done or things that have happened do you go to anger maybe you flee away from people you flee you 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 go into your room and you get quiet or maybe when you're alone you flee to people because you can only be comfortable when you're with people and you can't handle being alone right yeah might be that um i remember there's this guy that i knew who he anytime the topic of sex or anything about sex came up, he would flee. Like he'd leave the room, and and I had a dream one night of him as a younger guy, and on this screen it was like a like a big screen that I was looking at in my dream, and he was on there. Uh, I guess it was kind of like a Zoom call, and he was talking about all of the sex that he had at this party, and so I prayed about that. I'm like, what do I do with this? And so I went and I talked to him. I said, hey, like, is this a reality of what happened? I had this dream. Like, is this something that happened in your past? And uh, and he said, yeah. And I said, do you have shame about this? And he just said, yeah, I think that I'll always have shame about that. Mm. And it was so interesting for me knowing that his personality was that whenever sex came up, he would flee. And then he said he always will have shame about the sex that he that he took part in when he was a younger guy mm. and uh and i was like man like I, I knew a bit about him and he wasn't even a christian when this was going on he's moved on like he's older i'm like you don't have to have shame it was like it was cool the lord was giving me this opportunity to speak that to him because the lord knew that he had shame but that's highlighted. that's how you highlight like do you flee do you go to anger do you feel just so much pity for yourself when certain situations happen, that's how you identify it. Cause it's like, if that's not a godly response, why is this happening? What, what happened in your life that made you think that this is how you should respond? Like, did your parents tell you certain things about yourself? Did they treat you in a certain way that you're just like, well, I feel so much pressure at home. I just want to escape. I just want to, you know, leave the house, grow up, leave the house and, and not be here. And so your whole life now, whenever there's a hardship, you just escape into pornography or fantasy or, 
escape into anger or whatever. What like what's the pattern in your life? And so this is why it's so important to look at these default responses. And you know, there's there's default emotions that we go to, and then there's things that we tell ourselves when we go into sin, right? And if you're if you've struggled with sexual sin, you know, I mean, really any sin, I guess. But oh, one more time won't hurt. I've done this a thousand times. Right. <laughs> right. God didn't. I've prayed to God to deliver me. He hasn't delivered me. Yeah. Right? Who am or, I hurting? Yeah, exactly. Who am I hurting? Right. Like it's only me. Nobody has to know. It doesn't hurt anybody else but me. So what's the big deal? I'm going to bring myself down in this and I'll bounce back and no one will ever know, you know? But uh, the funny thing about these, the, that rationalization is when you go to porn, you have no guarantee that's your last time. And not only that, it is when something harms you. This is an interesting thing that I'm learning more and more as I grow older. <laughs> but when we're harming ourselves or we're being harmed, it in an indirect way sometimes it hurts others as well. Because if we're hurting, hurt people hurt people, right? So we we can really affect others depending on what's going on for us. So if you're struggling with porn and you you know you have a default response that leads you there, and you think, well, you're rationalizing, well, it's only me, it's only me behind closed doors. No one has to know, no one needs to know. But then that that thought process, you you don't understand something here is that you're being robbed of a more deeper intimacy with others and with God. And they're affected by that. If we're hurting, other people are are being hurt too. And that really was something that I needed to come to terms with because I always thought it was just about me. You know, especially that was what my default response was, uh, I'm suffering right now, but it's only me. It's not hurting anybody else if I go to this destructive behavior. And that was a lie that I really believed and fell into. And so sometimes our default response is, is rationalization like you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you only ever hurt you by your sin, which isn't the case, because like you're saying, Brad, and we always hurt other people too, directly or indirectly. But if you only ever hurt you, you're still hurting you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this is a bit of a teaching that's involved in the 30 Days to Freedom, the program that we launched this year. And so if you want help with your with pornography, with, with any sexual vice, and you want groups, Go to Pure Freedom Journey at restoredministries.ca and you can get involved with groups. If you don't want to have groups, if you just want to go at it alone uh, and at least get some training, go to 30 Days to Freedom and you'll get you'll get some training every day, just really short videos. And so this is just a bit of a sneak peek here. But one of the one of the lessons on rationalization goes goes a little bit deeper than our initial um, thought about our default responses. And so what our default responses show us is that if we're saying something like Brad and saying like, it's not hurting anybody, it's only hurting me, that shows that you're you're not valuing yourself. Mm. You're devaluing yourself. Like you should care so much about yourself. You should love yourself right. so much in a healthy way. Like God loves you and thinks the world of you, thinks about you all the time, nonstop. Jesus is advocating for you. He's interceding for you, mm. right? Man, the Holy Spirit's there. He wants to comfort you. And, and you're like, ah, I'm only hurting me. I mean, that's devaluing yourself. And so one of the categories of rationalization is that, that we devalue ourselves, and um, might be even like, what's the point of getting free? Like I'm not impacting anybody, even with, I'm not hurting anybody. Yeah. It's like, you're you're literally saying that your life doesn't touch other people yeah. and you're made to touch other people. You're made to impact other people. And so deep down, there might be a value thing where you don't see your value or you don't know your value. And so when you consider your default response, you got to listen to what you're telling yourself. And then go, what is this saying about my my core beliefs, my heart beliefs in terms of, of a, a deeper rooted issue that maybe I have to address? 
Another category would be blaming something or blaming someone, right? Brad, you could probably think of some examples of living as a victim when, when we're rationalizing. Oh, absolutely. I think we've all kind of done this to an extent, right? Uh, where we, we feel we're a victim, that we've been wronged, that it's someone else's fault. And I mean, if, if any of you are married and have been married for about five minutes, you're going to know pretty quick that uh, when you're in a conflict, it's very easy to be a victim. And you look at your spouse as the enemy. And we always say in family life, you tell couples to look at each other and tell each other, you're not my enemy. And it's true. But we feel that way sometimes when we're in a conflict. And when you're a victim, you can't see any percentage of ownership that you need to take in the conflict. You don't look at maybe where you've wronged your spouse. You don't look at maybe where you need to ask for forgiveness. You just deflect, deflect, deflect. It's always somebody else's fault. And I've been there. There's been times where I've been in conflict with my wife or you know, we're having a, a tiff about something, right? And it's so funny. It's like I can look at myself being a big baby. <laughs> like yeah. I'm like an out-of-body experience almost, right? Yeah. Where I'm like, what are you doing, Brad? And like, you're, you're just acting like such a baby. Like you're playing a victim. You're acting like it's everybody else's fault or it's your wife's fault and you're not taking any responsibility. It's always interesting to me because when I pray in that moment, when I have the, the, you know, the insight to do at least that, you know, the wisdom to at least do that, God meets me there and he always turns it on to me and shows me where I've been wrong and saying, you need to ask for forgiveness. You need to be the one that bridges the gap here. You can't expect your wife to do this. You got to take ownership for where you've been wrong here. And man, that's a tough pill to swallow when, when God does it, but it's so much better because you know what happens when you play a pity party, when you play the victim, you are taking in a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness, a lot of, you know, just kind of poison into your life that eats you from the inside out. And then what happens is you view everybody with mistrust. You start to, you, you can't let anybody in because you're a victim. You know, you're looking to be hurt. You're always looking to be heard. Someone says something a little bit, a certain way, it stings a little bit. Maybe someone, a coworker in the workplace, say something that they had no intention of hurting you, but it hurts you. So they're an idiot. They're a jerk. You know, I, that guy's terrible. You start to look for insult. And an insult, when it does come your way, it blows up because, you know, you're looking for it. You're prepped for it. And you've just ramped yourself up to the point where anything comes your way in life, you can't deal can't deal with it. So, I mean, if you have any kind of addictive pattern in your life with say porn, you can imagine like you're always at a state, a heightened state of looking for stuff that will lead you back to porn. Really? You go into the world, you're ready for it. Like you're prepped and primed and ready to receive insult, to be a victim. And then you're going to go back to your drug of choice. And blame other people. Blame other people. And when you invite God into that moment though, it just snaps you out of it. And believe me, I'm not perfect at this. There's so many times where I've prayed and asked God for help in these moments and I don't really want to listen. (laughs) I do it because I know I should, but I don't really want the answer that he's giving me. And as a husband, he's always telling me, you need to be the first one to apologize. You need to be the one that says you are wrong. You need to look at what you're doing in this situation that's causing harm. And that is a tough pill to swallow. But believe me, if I go the other way, then I resent my wife. Bitterness starts to really seep into our relationship. And then eventually I start to look at her as an enemy in, of my life. And she's not, she's for me. And it's the same thing, you know, like we can look at God that way too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And as a husband, 
the Lord's telling you to be first, but if you're a wife listening, the Lord's telling you to be first. Exactly. <laughs> right? He's telling us both the same thing. And Kristen always tells me that as well. She says the same thing. God's telling her to do the same thing. So, I mean, <laughs> how much better it is to listen to God in these situations versus, hey, we're going to fall into a default pattern where we're going to have perpetual gaps between us. Like we're never going to bridge that gap and we're always going to feel bitter and angrier towards each other and we're never going to deal with it, never resolve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So are you doing that with your rationalizing, your your emotions, your negative reactions, your rationalizations for why you're going to sin? Are you living as a victim? Maybe you're, you can devalue yourself. You can live as a victim. You can blame something or blame someone just like Adam and Eve did when they sinned. Hmm. Like, no, it's that woman you gave me, God. It's her fault. Right. No, it's the snake's fault. He deceived me. Yeah. Just blaming other people, right? But third thing that we might do is we might dishonor God with our rationalization. Like we might say like, Hey, I've been praying for freedom in this and God hasn't freed me. He hasn't set me mm-hmm. free. Like I prayed for a, you know, a good job and he put me around these hard coworkers. Like yeah. he didn't answer my prayer in the way that I wanted or God, you've, you've not come through. You're not here with me right now. I'm praying for comfort and I haven't experienced that. We might dishonor God with that or even take advantage of his grace, right? Like, Oh, God will forgive me. And that's a, uh, yeah, he will, but he also says to not take advantage of that yeah, yeah. and that we shouldn't just go on sinning. And so with our rationalizations, we might dishonor the Lord. We might dishonor ourselves. And so we just got to look at like what's underneath the surface. Because if you deal with, say, victimhood and you're, you really tackle that over the next year and you're like, every time I say something that's a victim statement, I'm not going to allow myself to stay there. I'm going to, you know pray about that talk to people about that look at reflect and and look at the situation go how can i have responded differently as somebody who's not a victim and if you really tackle that then all of the rationalizations that speak to victimhood will automatically leave your life mm-hmm. you won't go there because you're not allowing yourself to live to live as a victim and so we could try to just you know not say certain things but if we don't look at the deeper thing of like oh i have a victim mentality sometimes and you deal with that then it'll just pop up in another way. And so if you go deeper and you look at the roots, like do you devalue yourself? Do you blame something or someone? Do you dishonor God? And you address that, what's going on? Man, it's so transformative when we do that. And so it's so cool to go on this journey. Some people don't like looking at themselves and uh, right. looking yeah. inward at their heart. I love it. I think yeah. it's fun. My wife too, we were talking this week about it. And, and before I said that, she's like, man, like it's uncomfortable to start, but once you do it, it's like, wow, it's so freeing. It's so much yeah. fun. I love talking about what's going on. Yeah. And it's such a different way of thinking about it because often we don't want to look inward because maybe there's something that we don't want to see. But how beautiful it is when God is with us and he is, and we're aware of that. We've invited him into that moment. And he shows us in a way that's different because often what we do, even about devaluing ourselves, is we might look at some of the filth in our life and you say, I deserve that. That's just who I always will be. I will never be any different than that. Maybe a word was said over you. You know, it could be something like stupid or undeserving or whatever else. That word has become kind of like a, a model for your life or a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You do something and there, well, there you go. I'm stupid, right? And you will always claim that over your life. And that's your default response. And you don't want to look at that filth because you're like, oh, I just feel devalued when I when I see that and I feel even more dumb. Well, you know what? When you invite God into this, he shows you your value, your worth. Those lies are changed. You know who the accuser of your soul is? It's not God. It's the enemy. 
there's a verse actually, I think it's in is it Zechariah, where the high priest yeah. getting Old Testament on you here. Yeah, that's a great story. But anyways, um, the accuser, Satan is accusing him and just saying all these mean things about him. And then God, he comes in and says, that's not the case at all. He puts a white robe around him and he says something so completely different what the enemy says. There's acceptance and value and worth given to the high priest. It just represents um, Israel as a whole in this Old Testament kind of picture here. But really, it speaks to us too as individuals as well. And that's so true in the sense that God sees you that way. He sees you as being white as snow. I mean, when we receive Jesus into our life and he covers us and we're in relationship with him, we have an adopted stance and status. We are adopted into the kingdom of God and he loves us. Our worth is in his eyes, not in our own. And when we hear from him and he shares who we are and he shows us that, who he is, all those rationalizations, those lies, maybe those statements that you've said over your life, the dirt, the filth, it's put in the right perspective. And we're now shown the true value and worth that we have in Jesus's eyes. And that is one of the things that we need in all of our default responses. We need God's understanding and perspective to give clarity to this stuff, to show us where we are having these default responses. Um, because sometimes we just don't have the ability to recognize some of these things. So we encourage you, you know, pray about it. You know, like ask people around you, trust yeah. it. Like ask your spouse if you're married, ask a trusted friend. Um, hey, where are some of these blind spots? And like, well, you know, dude, like when you stub your toe, like you fly off the handle and you're swearing like crazy. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It could be something so simple as that, but it could be deeper things where, well, you know what? I recognize that when you face trial, you retreat. Like I don't hear from you for a month. You know, you go into depression and it could be deeper things like that. So, you know, ask those, those questions of trusted people around you that you love, but also first and foremost, go to God first, um, in asking these things. Right before recording today, Brad and I were talking about things, hard issues in our, in our own life and things that we've prayed about to the Lord. And then we got some revelation and we talked about it with each other. It's just so good. It's freeing. Yeah. Builds relationship too. Like if you're out there and you're going, I don't really have people that I do this with. I mean, find somebody that you might respect yeah. and just start talking like yeah. just just start being a little bit vulnerable don't share everything at the start no, no see how yeah. see how they respond right yeah. and it's it's just a way to build a deep relationship the thing that i love about that chapter in zechariah 3 that you're talking about i always forget who who it is i just looked it up and it's joshua but i always forget that but mm-hmm. anyways what i love about that is that the enemy is attacking or, or accusing joshua of things that he actually did they're not false accusations right, it's right. like he's talking about things that joshua really did that was sin and it's like, why do you love that? I mean, I would rather the Lord show that he has grace for things that we did, not just that he's covering false accusations. And so I look at that and I'm thinking of this verse where it talks about godly sorrow leads to repentance and mm-hmm. salvation and, mm-hmm. and it leaves no regret. I'm like, no regret. But I think about this and I'm like, man, I watched porn from the first time to the last time was 15 years. And I'm like, I actually don't regret it. Like there's not... I regret I don't love it that I did it but I don't live with like this daily you're like oh I can't believe I did it yeah. it's like the Lord has used it so much and and he he's covered it with his grace and so if we're willing to look at things that maybe we feel like like uh like crap about that we made a mistake or we screwed up our life or our marriage yeah. or our parenting or our job or whatever and we just screwed it right up man do you live with regret like if you do bring that to God 
Bring that up with people. Mm. Get God's perspective on it because he wants to cover it with grace so that you're not living daily with regret. Or every time it comes up in your mind or someone brings it up or you get reminded of it, instantly your default response is regret or shame, guilt. It's like, no, if you can see that as, wow, like the Lord covered me. He brought me. He's taught me so much. He used me even in that time when I was screwing up. And his grace is your perspective. Well, then that that's where you know that godly sorrow has really come in and he's been able to heal your heart so that your default response won't be just shame or fleeing mm. or, or anger when that comes up. Yeah, he wants to touch that pain that you have that often our default response is masking over. And I remember, you know, I was in a counseling session. I wasn't the one being attended to in this moment, but I was, I was observing and, um, it was so cool because God spoke to me through this too. But the guy that was being counseled, God gave him a picture in his mind of his heart. His heart was on a workbench and Jesus was there standing over the workbench with the heart in pieces on this workbench. And it was broken beyond what seemed repair, but Jesus put it back together and he had this image of Jesus's face was just in delight doing this. And when Jesus put the heart back together, the cracks were still there, where it was seamed together, where he mended it together. But as Jesus put it back together and he finished his work and he stood back from the table, um, proud of the work that he had done, all those areas where the seams were, where you think it was the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, the light of Christ shone forth from those areas and it showed and revealed a beautiful tapestry um, that his heart was, that God had worked in. Amazing. And that's, I really believe, a word picture for all of us, that Jesus wants to touch the pain. The things that you think someone would turn their back on you for, he wants to be in there with you in that. So you don't have to have these default responses that you go to because you're afraid that someone will find you out. You're afraid that God will find you out. You don't have to have these default responses anymore. Slave to them because you're afraid, you're anxious. Maybe you're angry. Maybe you do feel like a victim. You don't have to go to those things anymore because you don't feel God will accept you. He does fully. And he wants to touch those areas of your heart where you feel it's beyond repair. And it's not true. Just like that image, you know, of with Zechariah in, in the book of Zechariah. You know, God is there with us. He's for us um, and he loves us and he's inviting us into a relationship through his son. We encourage you in that. And he's with us no matter what we're feeling, the depths of our depression, whatever we're feeling. I always remember back to, we're going Old Testament again, but uh, Elijah, when he experienced those amazing miracles, right? And he'd done all these amazing things. God had done all these amazing things through him. He had outrun a chariot. He had stood against all the prophets of Baal and seen God work through there. And then he gets this nasty word from Jezebel saying, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) So you think a man like that, you know, he... uh, he had done all these amazing things. God done all these amazing things through him. He's seen the power and the hand of God work through him. And then he gets a death threat. What does he do? Gets depressed, runs and hides in a mountain, you know, in the wilderness. Did God leave him? Did God say, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> no, he was there with them. And I know that mountain, I mean, if you know the story, you know, it got rocked with an earthquake and lightning and storms. But that's not what God spoke through. It was a whisper. And it just reminded Elijah that he is with him. 
And I think that sometimes we just need to quiet our hearts to hear the whisper of God in our lives saying that I am with you. And some of you know what they need to hear that. These things that you've built up in your life around this, you know, this pain, and maybe it's been porn that you go to, maybe it's some of these default patterns, whatever else that you've done to protect yourself or you feel to protect yourself. God cares about deeply, but he wants a better life for you out of that. Um, you don't have to live a slave to these impulses anymore. And um, I know that Matt and I have experienced a lot of that freedom in our lives because I used to be a man of default responses. That's all I knew. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just a big walking res- default response. Sorry. Um, I would go to things and do things based on circumstances in my life. And I didn't feel like I had control at all. I really felt out of control. And I went to things I thought were the proper response. Sometimes it was retreating, depressed or whatever else, you know, or feeling bad about myself and playing a victim, whatever else, because that's what I knew. It was comfortable. But it really was a prison. And uh, God wants to break you free from that. Mm. Powerful stuff. Love it. Speaking to my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just, as you're talking, I'm just imagining people in their cars or at home listening and, and just the Lord wanting to highlight things in their lives and i think it's so good if you're if you're listening and that's you i mean take it seriously don't just like okay we're gonna end this podcast and move on yeah like really think about it, especially what Braden was just saying so good and the lord wants to move if you if you are addressing something or you're you're identifying something that you want to look at man i'd love to chat with you whether it's me or somebody else in our ministry but you can feel free to go book a cleansing hour cleansing hours are so powerful i love them i mean people cry i cry sometimes but people come in so scared and it's like a hundred percent of people that come in nervous feeling heavy feeling afraid to share but we just lead you in getting everything out and uh that might be intimidating to you but it's such a safe place and we pray for you and do a little bit of coaching maybe but uh, by the end every single person is like i feel so much lighter that was so good. And so it doesn't need to be a big commitment to a program, although that would be even even greater. But you can just start with a cleansing hour. We can put it in the show notes. And also uh, you can go to restoredministries.ca under the get help option and book a, book a cleansing hour. There's no set fee. Just you can send a donation of whatever amount you think uh, it provided value for you. But um, whatever that is for you is great. But uh, the point is just helping you identify things, get things out. And it, it just brings so much freedom. There's so much fun. I just love doing them. So anyways, there's an option for you. I hope this has been a blessing and it helps you and you really can live even a greater life. And we can too as we pursue the Lord in all of the areas that we need to address that are exposed by our default responses. So God bless. Thanks for listening. If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.